Hey Amarillo, I'm Jason Boyette and you're listening to Hey Amarillo, the interview podcast featuring some of the most interesting people and stories of Amarillo, Texas. Hey Amarillo is sponsored this week by SKP Creative. Social media marketing is essential in today's business world, but it can be overwhelming if you don't know much about it and if you're trying to figure it out on your own. That's where SKP Creative comes in. They develop data-driven communication strategies to help your business grow, thrive, and tell its story. Visit skpcreative.com today to learn more and schedule a free social media evaluation for your business. SKP Creative. Make it happen. This episode is also sponsored by Dr. Eddie Sauer, a longtime Amarillo dentist at Shimon Dental Group. Eddie has been my dentist for, I don't know, at least 25 years. He's an expert on Invisalign, using that technology to improve his patients' smiles and positioning. And those patients, I mean, that includes one of my kids right now. He does it so well, he now travels all over the country and even internationally to teach other dentists how to use Invisalign. So to learn more, visit shimondental.com. That's S-H-E-M-E-N, Shimon. Today's guest is Lisa Blake. Lisa is the executive director of Leadership Amarillo and Canyon, which is a leadership development program that brings participants together one day every month for nearly a year to get educated about this community. So through this program, Lisa literally teaches professionals about Amarillo and Canyon, about uh, the area's businesses, industries, civic needs, and a lot more. And a couple of years ago, Lisa had the opportunity to serve for almost a year as a member of the city council. She was part of an unfulfilled term. So that gives us a lot to talk about. Her organization, the city itself, and a perspective on the city government from a former insider. So here's Lisa Blake. Lisa Blake, welcome to the Hey Amarillo podcast. Thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. Well, I'm eager to talk about a lot of the different things that you're involved with, and it's it's been a number of different things. But before we get to that point, the first thing I like to ask is how you ended up here in Amarillo in the first place. So tell me your story. I was born here, um, went to school here, married uh, young, still married to the to the same man. We grew our family here, still growing our family here, and just love our community and chose to stay. How young? You say married young. I was 19 and he was 23. Okay. Which, you know, is is something that's surprising to people, but not really to people in Amarillo. Like, it seems like a thing that I hear pretty often. I got married at 21. I mean, I was young too, so. Yes. It's funny because I certainly didn't want my girls to marry that young. Right. Yes. It's okay for you. I know. Back in the day. But yes, we'll be uh, married 38 years in May. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Well, so you grew up here. What what brought your family to this area? Do you know? Do you know anything yes. about that history? My parents were, uh, they grew up here, just established a home and raised five kids. And I was one of the five kids. And my husband and I actually just chose to remain here. We chose not to leave. When I was in the banking industry, I could have had opportunities elsewhere. And we talked about those things. And with his job as well, his jobs provided him many offers to be elsewhere. But we both chose to live here. We we enjoy this community. We believe that our community is so strong in uh, faith and just, you know, so many positive options for us and our family. And we did not want to go elsewhere. Is that something that you have always felt? Or was there ever a moment like going to college or anything like that where you thought, okay, I'm, I'm going to go to school and... 
you know, fly elsewhere. There was a time actually after our girls were married and we were empty nesters and we were out of town at a city, um, enjoying lunch, enjoying shopping, just having fun. And I knew that the organization I worked for at the time could have, you know, provided me opportunities there if I would have chosen to move. And it looked like it might be a fun, wonderful thing to do. We think the grass is greener on the Mm -hmm. other side. But when we started talking about what's important to us, you know, what makes our life happy, and it's our friends, friends we've had for many years, some new friends. It's our family that lives here. It's our church. It's our church family. It's the organizations that we are involved in. And those are the things that bring us such joy and happiness. And it was at that moment I finally resolved that I don't think I want to leave Amarillo. I think I want to stay here. And we both were in agreement on that. Did you go to college locally or did you go locally? Yes. So you went to WT? I went to Amarillo College. Okay. Okay. And then jumped into the career world at the young age of 19, 20 years old. And continue to attend Emerald College, but I never did. Uh, never did go elsewhere. Did you know that you wanted to get into banking, or did that just sort of happen? No, it was so interesting. I always just wanted to be in a professional environment. I always wanted to work with professional folks, whether it be in banking or a law office. Or I wasn't real sure exactly what I wanted to do, but I was actually working for Mesa Petroleum for okay. many years and enjoying the training and all of the experience that big, I had there. Big company, big company. and it was an incredible opportunity, and I loved it so much. But Mesa, as you know, moved their headquarters to Dallas, and so at that time, I was having some interactions and some um, just meetings and so forth with Don Powell, the president of First National Bank of Amarillo, and he hired me into banking in 91. And so from that point on, I spent 21 years in banking after that. And you were with, I guess, what was First National Bank through all the different Right. Iterations of that. I mean, it would sell, somebody would buy it, change the name and all those kinds of things. Yes. And then in 97, he took a handful of us and we started a new bank from the ground floor up. And I was blessed to be among that team as well. And that became the new First National. And then after several years working on that group, we sold to Wells Fargo when he became chairman of FDIC. Tell me what that's like you know, you're, you're working with a lot of the same people. It's the same bank, but like the ownership changes or the name changes. There's always a, you know, it's, it's a hard transition because of different cultures and things like that. What what was that? Changes hard period. And that definitely rocked my world. We had formed our bank, worked hard, and we're very proud that we were community owned. And so when we sold the Wells Fargo, it shook my world significantly. But I will say that staying true to just doing what you enjoy doing and following your passion. And I never stopped doing what I loved to do, which was working with people and training and just public relations, doing all the things that I loved. And then to have the opportunity to learn a different way of doing those things and to work with a company that really taught me a great deal and was very gracious to me. They believed in me and they helped me grow professionally. And and I was promoted to district manager at that time. And it was wonderful. We, you know, there are ups and downs, of course, in any organization, whether you're locally owned or you're a big national company. Mm -hmm. But I loved that opportunity and enjoyed that career very, very much. And I grew significantly. So yes, I think change always scares us a bit. But if we can stick with it, and we can grow and learn from it, which is what I did. And I learned so much from from Wells Fargo and just the professional people I was working with. It was a wonderful career move for me. 
Tell me about the transition to leadership Amarillo and how that sort of happened. So one of the things that I strongly believe in is connecting with people. And I've always uh, been a connector. I've always loved people. I've always wanted to be around people. And I've always sought out strong people to be with and to uh, associate with. And so during the time of my career, I had been the district manager for 15 years. I was growing a little bit tired and weary. Mm -hmm. Banking was changing. It was becoming a bit more stressful. Um, Many well, the sales environment with Wells Fargo was, was becoming more intense. And although I still highly respect that company and loved my job, I was ready. I could tell my season was ending and I was needing to make a change. And that was something that was in the news the past two or three years about the intensity of that it was, it sales was process and some of the, the difficulties right. that employees had. Yes. Yeah, so it was a difficult period. But I, I knew that my season was coming to an end. My husband had gone through some physical um, situations and challenges. And so I wanted to make sure that I wasn't just reacting to life, you know, mm-hmm. getting tough. But I knew that it was time for a change. I was looking for something different. I reached out to some people in the community and said, hey, I'm going to give, you know, my notice to Wells. I'm going to give a 30-day notice and I'm looking for a new gig. I just want to do something different. And so my friend, who was the current uh, executive director of leadership in Rello and Canyon, she called me and she said, we need to talk. And she said, let's talk next week. And I said, no, let's talk right now. What are you, you know, what's going on? And it just so happened she was leaving that position and she and her board met with me and this this opportunity came about and it was just the most perfect transition for me because this job is all about people mm-hmm. it's all about connections it's all about community and so i have thoroughly loved making this change in my career. Did you have a relationship with the organization before that? Like, was yes. it something you'd gone through? I had gone or, through, okay. yes. And as the district manager, I had sent uh, folks through every year. We would send someone, one or two people through the, the program. So I always believed in it and always supported it. And yes, was always very connected, okay. but never dreamed, never dreamed that I would become the executive director. Okay, so I, I don't want to assume that my listeners all know exactly what leadership you know, Amarillo and Canyon is. So why don't you just sort of explain what's the concept? What is it doing here in this community? So what it's doing is we meet with a group of individuals and it's generally 50 to 55. They become part of my program in August. We stay together until May. We meet once a month. It is an all-day commitment. Mm -hmm. We educate you on the community, on our obstacles, on our successes. We take you on behind-the-scenes tours of various businesses and nonprofits. We actually allow you to meet the owners, the directors of these businesses and nonprofits. We spend time serving in the community as well. But we, we spend a great deal of time helping you better understand our community. And I'll give you some specifics because we hear comments all the time from people saying, oh, I've lived here my whole life. I thought I knew everything there was to know. But when you go behind the scenes and you really take a deeper dive into these businesses or into why we have the poverty we have or why are there so many hungry children, you know, how did Snack Pack for Kids really come about? When you take a deeper dive into these issues and into these companies and organizations, it's so educational and it's enlightening. It's also very important as leaders that we understand where we are as a community so that we know what we can do to make a difference and help. Um, I believe in serving the community, but I think before we can start serving, we have to understand where we are and who we are as a community. And that's what our program does. Our program also connects you with people. 
you know, if you're in our program, you're with 50 something other professionals, right. individuals in all different walks of life, different industries, a businesses, variety of age ranges, variety too. It's of not age. all like 20 year olds. No. Like that. And that's another misperception or that was a misperception for a while about our program was that it was only for young movers and shakers, right. but we're all ages and, and all of us every year we, it's a diverse group of people. So you're networking with other people. You're, you're having wonderful conversations about our community or maybe about leadership issues that you struggle with, or maybe you're learning, you know, a new way of doing business because you're learning and gleaning knowledge from other people that you're meeting with once a month. It's an incredible opportunity. Give me an example of, you know, you're, you're meeting for a full day once a month. What's a good representative day, you know, for someone who's going through the program? One example would be the day we um, hear about Cal Farley's Boys Ranch and the okay. difference that they make in our community. That particular day, we start off hearing from a local banker, Rodney Ruthart, he grew up in his latter years at Boys Ranch. We hear his story, why he was placed at Boys Ranch, because many people don't even understand how the children and young people arrive at Boys right. Ranch and what those situations are. So he speaks and tells his story. And then we go downtown to News Channel 4 and meet Andy Justice. Who also Andy has Justice. A good Boys Ranch story. Yes, Great he tells us about his story. And that's always interesting. And, and everyone loves Andy. And then we head on out to the ranch. We actually, we don't just drive around. We do drive around and take a tour, but we go into the homes and we spend time with the kids and we ask them questions. We spend time with the house parents and ask them, you know, what is life like out here? What are, what's the good, bad and the ugly? And that would be an example of one day. Another day might be focused around business. We might introduce you to some business owners and have them come speak to you on how they started their business. We might go tour Bell Helicopter. We might go tour Pantex or, you know, Snack Pack for Kids or Face City, we, every month is a complete different focus. And I think that's something that's also very valuable about our program is there's no month that is the same. Right. I know you came in, you know, after it had already been established, but what do you know about how the organization began? Like, how did it form and, and what was that history? I, I know very little of the history, to be honest with you. But what I do know is that our organization was established because we saw whoever established it uh, saw the need that our city is more about the city manager or more about the mayor and city council. Our city is about all of us. Right. And there are so many people in all different walks of life who represent our city and who are giving and serving in our city. And um, this organization was established to bring that collaboration into form and to just provide an opportunity for us to continue to grow as leaders in our own sets of skills, but also grow as leaders in leading this city and making changes and bringing a about, you know, new ideas and new ways. And one of the things we have done the past seven years since I've been in this position is we we take information from the class members and we make changes as we move forward. So our program doesn't look like it looked 30 years ago. Right. It's actually a 38-year-old organization, okay. that, which is awesome. Thought, right? 501c3, 38 years old. But it changes every year based on the feedback that we glean from the participants. And I think that's important as in all of us in business is we have to be relevant. And the issues and topics aren't the same as they were 30 mm -hmm. years ago. And so we take that information from the class and then we make changes and move forward and change it up and tweak it here and there and keep on moving. I'm very thankful that our community 
has supported this organization for 38 years. And so many people still say to me, I've not heard of leadership Amarillo and Canyon. And I'm like, how can you not? But I think it's just because, you know, we move and we grow and we, people are busy and we're kind of in our own little bubbles, Mm -hmm. so to speak. But it gives me a great opportunity to share our story and to talk about the organization. And it's just a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful organization. And we are, it is an independent uh, nonprofit. And I'm real proud of that. And I I know for a number of people who go through the program, um, it's something that their employers say, we would like you to do this, you know, and so maybe they pay their tuition or, or however that works. But tell me why some of these larger businesses, you know, are investing in their employees and the way they invest in them is saying, we want you to go and learn about the city. Yes. Well, first of all, I'm so grateful for the companies that are investing because they're the ones who are keeping our organization moving forward. And I'm great, grateful for that. I believe it's because when they see the benefit of our organization and what we do and the experience that we have with the, the with their employees, I think it's obviously worth their time and effort. It's a valuable resource for them. I think financially, you know, when they make that investment in their people, it says that they want their folks to grow. They want their individuals, their employees to learn more, to become involved. And they're seeing that happen. So I'm thankful that they're seeing change and that they're seeing, you know, a return on their investment, so to speak, because we continue every year to have an incredible group of people in our program, both in the adult class and the teen class. And so that's just been, you know, something I think it's important that we always remain aware of. We've got to make sure we're sending their folks back better people and stronger leaders. Well, and I I think that's something significant about it, that a lot of, you know, a lot of businesses will pay for professional development for their employees that's related to what they do at work. And that these businesses will also, you know, put them through this program because it makes them a better citizen or it gives them greater knowledge about the people they're serving. I mean, it says a lot about how valuable that is just in an employee to know about the city and to have that look into all the different aspects of life here. Yeah, absolutely. And one of the things that I hear year after year is, wow, I'm so thankful that this wasn't a lot of training because we don't do a lot of yeah, training. you're not sitting at a desk no. hearing lectures all we, day We're hearing from community leaders and business owners, but then we're out seeing our city and take, going on tours. And we're also having meaningful discussions and learning from one another. But it's not sitting at a table doing training. Mm-hmm. I, I just believe that every company provides provides or most of them provide the training that they need for their employees but it's our job to expand their knowledge on our community and what our obstacles are and how we can help and how we can get involved do other cities have programs like this yes do you know yes i do and i've i've interacted and met with other executive directors of leadership programs many of them are the same many are not many of the cities uh, their leadership program is aligned with the Chamber of Commerce, so they're funded by the Chamber of Commerce. But I think at the end of the day, most of us are just out there trying to help our community become greater and provide more people to serve and provide the information that people want to know on their own community. So I want to shift gears a little bit. Although this is related to your role with Leadership Amarillo, you were selected to Fill an expired term on the city council. Yes. Uh, It was Brian Eads, which was a unique position because you didn't have to go through the election process or any of that stuff. You just got appointed to it after a lot of interviews and, you know, it it, it was still a a long process. Um, But I, I think that makes you unique in that you know what it's like 
to be on the city council mm-hmm. and w- without having to go through maybe some of the the mudslinging or the negative parts of that, which, you know, we've been through an election cycle and that's that's how it goes sometimes. So tell me, tell me what are some of the things that you maybe were surprised by or that you learned in that process? You know, that experience was just an incredible experience and I will always be grateful for that year. Of yeah, it was being just a year, right? Just a year. And yes, I was fulfilling Brian Eads' term. Uh, I came on board in 2016 and then rolled off, you know, the next May. What I learned, wow, is it takes so much to run a city, obviously. There is so much to learn. What I always kept in my mind and at the back of of everything I did was it's about the people. It can never be about us. It can, it has to be about the people, especially the people who need certain aspects of what we provide. And of course, one of the big issues for me and still remains is our public transportation. You know, I, I just, I met with so many people who rely on our public transportation because they can't afford a car or maybe for physical reasons they can't drive. And they would be so frustrated and so, uh, disappointed that we couldn't help meet their needs. Mm -hmm. And I know we're making some progress in that regard, but we still have a long ways to go. But that was one of the big, um, I guess, aha moments for me was we've got to do better as a community with our public transportation system. It does frustrate me still when I see bus stops that are not covered. Last week, I had a person contact me and, you know, ask, what can we do? I just saw an elderly person just standing on the corner waiting for the bus. And of course, I see them as well. And, um, and those who have disabilities who have, you know, challenges. And it's heartbreaking to know because we, most of us who drive don't even think about, if I need to go to the store or I need to go to the doctor's office. So when I was on city council, that was one thing that I really was hoping I could see some change happen as it relates to the public transportation. And I know that's it's a very complicated uh, issue, and I know we're making some progress in that regard. But the other thing was just seeing how many people it takes to run this city, how many people and how much work it takes from all of our city employees, through, you know, the leadership, the council, everyone involved. I'm so appreciative of people who work for our city. I'm so appreciative of those who are willing to be on city council and serve, you know, as mayor, because it's a huge time commitment. The time commitment was definitely a surprise for me. I knew it would be a time commitment, but I didn't know it would be the commitment that it is. And it's huge. But and how I many think, hours per week? You know, it depends because the meetings, you know, the meetings could be at that time could be anywhere from an hour and a half to three hours or longer. Um, Also, you know, when you take time to meet with people and hear from them and hear their concerns, which I was very interested in doing that because I felt like, you know, being on city council, we're representing our people and we have to hear from them and take time and we work for them. And so meeting with people and attending other committee meetings, you know, it's, I don't even remember, but I know it was a huge commitment and that was why I could not run and and remain on board, but I would have loved to have done that. But I will say we just always need to say thank you to those folks because it's big. It's, and most people still have a job. Still yeah. have a family. Yeah. <laughs> and so just knowing that they're giving of their self for that $10 a week, yeah, you know. The, it's, the compensation is not, <laughs> not very much. No, so it's got to be done from the heart. It's a volunteer it's job. It's from your heart and because you love our community and you love people. Well, and, I, I think it's interesting you brought up 
you know, the, the public transportation issue, because one of the things that is clear to me, especially like when we've been in the election cycles and, you know, there are people who maybe are complaining that, well, this hasn't been fixed yet, or here's this problem. Why aren't they doing anything about it? And, you know, you advocated for increases in public transportation during your tenure, but like those things are still in process because it's a, it's a huge ship to turn around that requires you got to get the budget for it. And then you've got to do all of these different steps in order to see anything that's like public facing. There's all this background stuff that has to be in place before big changes can happen. And sometimes that takes longer than two years. Absolutely. And that, of course, was different for me because coming from an organization where, you know, individuals make decisions and then we move forward, it definitely was a bit, it was an eye opener and it, it, you know, was a learning curve for me just knowing that it does take a long time to get things accomplished and to get things done and finished. Mm-hmm. And yes, it's all about money, obviously. Um, it's all about how are we going to pay for this? And if we do pay for this, where's this money going to come from? Because our community is very proud that we have the lowest tax rate, but yet we still want things done. Right. And I'm not a. You can't really have both things. (laughs) No, you really can't. And I'm not thrilled about paying taxes either. But at the same time, I want our community to be thriving in all areas and to be growing and moving forward. And you can't do those things and make changes without money. And if you're going to pay for it, then you've got to take money from elsewhere in order to pay for it. So yes, it's it's a very complicated uh, process, and it is definitely not an easy task. Uh, in running a city and making sure we have the right people in the right seats because I was also part of the team when we hired a new city manager. And that's critically important too because you've got to have the right people in the right seats. You've got to have strong leadership. You have to have people who are invested in this community and who love this community in order to help us move forward. I'd like to ask, this may be kind of a personal question, but you're someone who loves the city. Your job is promoting and improving Amarillo. You get put into, you know, this position on city council, which is practically a volunteer job, takes up a lot of your hours. Because you're in that position, then there are people in the city that are going to be upset with you because you're not doing what they want you to do or they're not seeing the progress that they want to see. You know, beyond all the professional aspects and the time aspects, is it emotionally hard to know that regardless of what you do, you're going to let a portion of the city down? And it's a city that you are invested in improving. Yes, I think with any job, when you have to make tough decisions, whether it be in banking, you know, where I was before, or whether it be on city council, when you make tough decisions, you won't always please everyone. And I I love people. But and yes, there were times it was hard because I would see the folks come to city council meetings and they were so passionate about what they wanted and what they believed in. But we couldn't help them because we didn't have the funds or we the process just wouldn't work. It's difficult, I think, in any business, really, when we have to make those tough decisions. At the end of the day, though, as leaders, we have to do what we know to be right. And I'm happy that, you know, we I strive to do what's right. It may not be what other people would do, but it's what I believe is right. And it may not please everyone, but it at the end of the day is what I think is the right decision. So you served for a year and you said you didn't you didn't feel like it was something you needed to continue. Is is that a seasonal thing? Like is it something you might look at? 
Yeah, five, it, ten years <laughs> in the future. I hope so. Quite honestly, I enjoyed that experience, and I've had so many conversations with people in our community asking me, "Would you consider coming back?" And I would love to go back and serve on city council if the season is right for me. You know, we all have those decisions to make every day on how we're going to spend our time, and I wish that I could have continued, but I I couldn't because of circumstances in life. Mm-hmm. Um, I hope someday that that opportunity presents itself because I love to serve people and I enjoy working and helping people and I enjoy learning about our city. It was so interesting. Every meeting was so interesting, just learning more and more about the different components and different departments and different areas of running a city. So yes, I hope so someday. It was a wonderful short season, but I hope it will come back around someday. That learning experience is something that's always been fascinating to me because I get a sense that anybody who ends up getting elected is in for a lot of surprise. I mean, because they'll, it's easy as if you're running for office to say, oh, we're going to do this. And I promise you that I will, you know, work on this need or whatever. And then you actually get into it. And the reality is often very different from the simple promises that you might have made to get elected. Is is that accurate? It's accurate. It is so much more complicated. And I think it's great and it's so good for us to be mindful of promises we make in any organization because, quite frankly, a a lot of things we wish we could do at the end of the day we may not can do because of various, you know, uh, obstacles. But, yes, running a city is so very complicated. I remember one of my first meetings was it was budget time. And I walked into this huge notebook and just looking at all of these budget proposals from all of these department heads and people who work so hard and who have needs in their departments. And so, yes, it's very, very complicated. And just making the right decisions on, you know, are we going to allow this department more money and take away from this other one? It's very complicated. It's very difficult. And um, it's it's a big job. It's a big job. It's a thankless job many times. Well, yeah, that's true. And that, that makes it especially difficult. Mm-hmm. So you've You've been on the city council. Your career is tied up in the city of Amarillo and where it's going and what's happening. So, you know, we're, we're in a season of a lot of growth and a lot of change right now. Um, for a lot of people, that may be kind of uncomfortable because of, you know, road construction or whatever. But do you feel like this is sort of a tipping point to something bigger in the future? I mean, does it feel like that to you? For our city? For our city? Yeah. Yes, I hope so. I hope so. I, I want to see our city flourish. You know, I don't particularly want our city to be like any other city. I want us to be us, but I want us to be flourishing and I want us to be successful in all areas. And I want us to provide opportunities for people. You know, one of the things that I think as leaders that's very hard on us is when we meet people, we become friends with people who are bright, who are, you know, promising leaders, and then they move away for better and greater things. And I want to see more people moving here. And I want to see more people staying here. So yes, I think the future looks bright for us. I think it's going to take a lot of determination. I think it's going to take continued change for all of us in our city in order to keep moving forward. And I think we're just going to all have to really commit to being people who want to work together. I would like to see us move forward in unity, mm-hmm. you know, and just enjoy what we have, but make it even greater. Well, you don't want 
one part of the city trying to move forward and then dragging, you know, the rest yeah. with them who don't really want to do those changes. It's better if everybody's sort of moving in the same direction. Yes. And I know we all have our own opinions and I'm very, very aware and very open to other people's ideas and opinions. I just think it's important for us at the end of the day to realize we all want the same thing. We just want a great community. We want in which we have mm-hmm. we and we want to continue to have a great community. We don't want to be stagnant. We want to move forward. That's what we want at the end of the day is to move forward together. This week's episode of the podcast is sponsored by Sidecar Photo Booth Company. If you follow Hey Amarillo on Facebook or Instagram, you've probably seen photos from our live show a couple of weeks ago. Most of those, the professional looking ones, came from Sidecar. It's a minimal open air photo booth that puts the focus on people rather than quirky props. Sidecar uses professional equipment that's just unmatched in this area, and the results are amazing. You'll want to post those photos on Instagram, on Facebook, make it your profile picture. If you're having a graduation party or a wedding this summer or any event that you want to document, Sidecar is the best photo booth in Amarillo. And that's not me reading marketing copy for them. That's my opinion. That's why I use them at my event. Learn more at sidecarphotobooth.co and follow sidecarphotobooth.co on Instagram. Okay, I'm back with Lisa Blake of Leadership Amarillo and Canyon. Lisa, this is the part of the show I call Eight Straight. I'm going to ask you eight straight questions. Your job as my guest is to answer those in whatever amount of detail you want to. And and these are questions I've asked other guests. Um, So what's your favorite park in Amarillo? Well, I have to laugh a little bit about that one because we have a little one in our home. And so it depends on where we're at. Okay. (laughs) It depends on where I'm at in the city because all parks are great for a three-year-old. And I'm always so excited when I see a park with a swing and Mm -hmm. a slide. So actually, that one's a difficult one because I love all parks. Okay. Is is there one that has, you know, uh, a a play thing that maybe is the most fun or that the three-year-old likes the best? I mean, is, is Metapark. Really? All of my grandchildren love Metapark, of course, just because, you know, wow, the little duck swings, the zip line. I mean, it's just has so much more. But yes, I think it just depends on where we're at. But Metapark's definitely okay. one of our favorites. When it comes to diversity of things to do, Metapark is like one of the best. I mean, it's got the pond, it's got the walking The paths, ducks, yes. Ducks and geese. <laughs> That's yeah. right. What's your favorite restaurant in Amarillo? Oh, wow. My husband would laugh at that question because I love to eat. So it depends on the type of food. If it's Mexican food, I love the Plaza, Liao's, Tacos Garcia. If it's Asian food, it's Thai taste. Okay. Um, if it's uh, Italian, Pescara's, it's hard for me to say a favorite because I love them all. Ruffle Cup has lunch menu now. Yeah. That's my new favorite as well. So depends okay. on the type of food Whatever I want. Whatever you're hungry for. Yes. You've got, you've got a place yes. in mind. What does this area have too much of? Hungry children. All right. Elaborate on that. Part of being in our program, we learn about poverty. Obviously, we learn about Snack Pack for Kids and why there's a need for that organization. And we just learn about how many children in our community that we have who are hungry. And that's very heartbreaking for me. The Parks and Rec program in our city, you know, received a grant and provide a sandwich and a little lunch every day in the summer, I think at 17 to 19 parks. And I learned that many of the kids who go to that program go for that sandwich. Mm-hmm. We have too many hungry kids. And to me, that's just a huge problem that I know will be difficult to solve, but it's something we need to be aware of as leaders. 
It's one of those problems that has a lot of different causes. Yes. Like you can't isolate, here's the reason it's happening, no. let's fix that. Exactly. Know? Something we learned is many of the parents are hardworking people, working two jobs, three jobs, but they're not making a livable wage. Right. And their kids are hungry. They can't pay the rent and pay for a car and insurance and all the things that they need to provide for and still have money left for food. And so I definitely say that we have way too many hungry children in our community. Okay. What does this area not have enough of? I I always wish we had more indoor entertainment for kids during the winter months. You know, on the days that it's blowing and cold, I wish we had more places to go have fun with little ones indoor. Give me an example of what that might be. Have you like been to places like in Dallas or someplace else that is, you're like, we need one of those. The Denver Children's Museum. Okay. I wish we had a thriving, huge children's museum. I think that would be awesome. I love our Discovery Center. I just wish we had several of those in our like city. many Discovery Centers right. put together. Right, absolutely. The amount of things. Okay. Yes. How do you describe Amarillo to people outside the area? I mean, you've literally got Amarillo in, you know, your your job title. So I, I imagine you get asked, what what's the city like? I always tell people our city is filled with the most kind, generous, genuine people. It's all about the people. And when I interact with my class participants in my job and meet people who are new to our city, I ask them, what do you like about Amarillo? The people. Hmm. So definitely when I describe our city, I describe our city as being a city full of wonderful, generous, and kind people. Do you think, is there maybe a reason for that? Like, do you do you look at Amarillo and see something about character of the people here or the history and say that's that's why Amarillo people are different. I think historically we we've had a lot of philanthropic gracious people and it's just continued on generation after generation and I hope it continues. I think we're very very blessed to have so many generous giving people who not only give financially but give of themselves to make our city better. When was the last time you went to Cadillac Ranch? been a few years ago and it was with some people who were visiting from another state so it's not a stop it's not a stop for me now my kids love it my grandkids love it (laughs) but no it's it's not somewhere i go hang out on the weekends okay (laughs) okay so with the work that you do you have access to a lot of businesses and organizations sort of behind the scenes i mean and that's part of what you do I, i wondered what's something that you know maybe someone who's lived here for 30 or 40 years like i have might find surprising, you know, about what you do or or what you um, start to learn about when you go through the process? Wow, there's so much. But uh, first and foremost would be just to know that Faith City provides a drug addiction recovery program that is very effective and very, I guess, needed, obviously. And there are people from all over the country who come to that program. The program is no charge, and it is for one year. And many people don't know that. Many people think of Faith City as being homeless or a place where we feed them. But just to know that if you have a family member who has an addiction, that they do have a program that is no charge, that's very effective. I think that's important to know. Also, just to have a better understanding of Cal Farley's and what they do for kids. I mean, I could go on and on, you know, Snack Pack for Kids as well, because we learn so much about all these organizations. But to me, those that meet immediate needs, I think we could never talk too much about. When was the last time you wore cowboy boots? It's been a few years. (laughs) 
only because I, I was given a pair and I loved them, and but they they never fit me quite right. But yes, it's I important loved, that they fit right. It is. I enjoyed wearing them, but it has been a few years. Okay. Well, that concludes our eight straight questions, uh, Lisa. I like to end by asking my guest to endorse something. So, what is something that you would want listeners to know about or experience related to this area? Well, thank you for this opportunity, Jason. One thing I would love to end with is just to make people aware of the need we have in our city as it relates to public transportation and adequate bus stops. I wish that we could have businesses who would love to advertise at the bus stops and provide a covering, provide a nicer place for people to sit. I wish we could get people involved in in just improving our bus stops, providing shelter, providing a place to sit. I think it's very disheartening as a city, as a community, especially as giving and loving as our community is. It's disheartening to see people who are not covered from the wind or the rain or the snow and who are waiting for their transportation to arrive. And I would love to see us move past that and provide a better way for people. Is that a program that's in place? Like if a business says we want to do something like that or would they have to sort of make it happen or take it upon themselves. It's not in place. I wish it were in place. And I know years ago it was because we had advertisers. Right. And I don't know what's happened to that, but I think all of us need to rally together and we need to fix that problem and come up with a solution for that obstacle. What's the best way to start that process? You know, that's a great question. Now, you've been in a position before <laughs> yes. to oversee some of that. And, you know, obviously in a year you weren't able to make enough change. So what do you suggest when I there's think, a need? I think we do need to talk to our leaders in our city. But I think we as business people need to come together and just strategize and have come up with ideas. I know that with my program, I do talk with our class members about, you know, what do you guys think? But I would love to see all of us move forward together with some ideas and some strategies on how we can improve those areas of our city and go to our leaders and say, here's what we think could work. Because if we can get it funded with various businesses Mm -hmm. through their advertising, then I don't see that there's going to be a problem making that happen. All right. Lisa Blake, thank you so much for being on the show. I appreciate it. Thank you, Jason. And that concludes the episode. I want to say thanks to Lisa for the interview and to SKP Creative Dr. Eddie Sauer, and Sidecar Photo Booth for sponsoring the show. Every episode of Hey Amarillo is produced, written, and hosted by me, but it's edited every week by Angelina Medina, and that's seriously the hardest part of the job, so I appreciate that. Executive producers of Hey Amarillo include Josh Wood, Neil Nossiman, Wilson Lemieux, Ryan Pennington, Patrick Burns, Jennifer Callahan, Katie Linger, Daniel Davis, Wes Reeves, Corey Burns, and Criselda. If you like this episode... Share it. Let people know about it. Leave a review. Tell people about the show, the podcasts overall, individual guests you like, all that stuff. Thank you for listening. My name is Jason Boyette, and I'll see you next week.